0: Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Voigt of USC. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing,
0: Matt? Good, good. Always a good day when, when I can record a podcast and, and catch up with friends. So, uh, Kyle has been to some pretty big-name universities doing sports science and stuff like that, which I'll let him get into. But a little bit of background about how he and I know each other. Um, I was taking advantage of this recent off time and just reaching out to college sports sports scientists, and he's been more than gracious to give me about two hours of his time on two separate occasions uh, via phone, and and now we are on the podcast about to talk some shop. So for those who are not familiar, could you please uh, share a little little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So thanks for having me. Uh, Basically, I started my undergrad at sc so i'm a i'm a southern california kid born and raised in in l.a my dad is professor at sc so like i, I was just born and bred uh, a trojan so undergrad at sc wanted to be a doctor did a typical route a lot of people take so you go in your pre-med and then your grades are crap so you gotta go do pre-pt and then your grades are crap again and you're like all right well i like sports i like lifting weights what could i do that would let me do that so Uh, After I got my undergrad, I actually did an internship at UCLA, which is a great experience for me. We'll go into that maybe a little bit more uh, if you'd like. (laughs) Uh, So that was really great. I got to work under Coach Mike Lynn over there. He taught me basically everything about the foundations of uh, S&C, and then I was lucky enough to actually do an internship at USC right after that. So didn't even have to move, still live in the same apartment, which is pretty awesome. Uh, And then there is where I got initially exposed to quote-unquote sports science, GPS. They had a a sports science coordinator at USC there. Um, So that was awesome. And while I was at USC, I actually got a graduate assistantship at UCLA. So went back across town, still didn't have to move. Uh, And and at UCLA, my role was essentially uh, as their first GA responsible uh, for data analytics. So that was my big role, which was... Taking all this data we were collecting, whether it was wellness, jumps, uh, GPS metrics, whatever for 21 teams, consolidating that somehow, and then putting that data out to whoever wanted it. Uh, And I was also in charge of uh, S&C for uh, the cross-country team there, and I was supporting about eight other teams, uh, just like as a secondary coach helping on the floor. So that GA at UCLA was, was awesome for me because it really exposed me to being like, all right, what is quote unquote sports science? How is that different from strength conditioning? And where does that fit in the elite, like collegiate landscape? Uh, from there, I really wanted to learn more about sports science in particular. So I actually attended a conference in Long Beach, which is about 20 minutes south of LA. And uh, I listened to a, a person named Tina Murray talk. She was uh, the director at the University of Louisville at the time. And she talked about their performance code. So that was culture, operating system, data and decisions and execution. Uh, and it was awesome. I was just like, all right, she's got all these cool graphs, data and decision. You're the director. You're obviously not doing this. Who is the one that you employed to do this? And can I talk to him? So ended up talking to Paul Jones, uh, who ended up being my boss at Louisville. So I moved out to Louisville, Kentucky and spent a the year there. And and that was an incredible experience. I was essentially applied sports scientist for two teams, men's soccer and women's basketball, uh, also assisting with the SSC side and I was an SSC coach for, for diving. So that was probably the, one of the biggest, most formative experiences uh, in my career, um, being away from home for the first time really. And then also just getting to learn from some people that have been doing quote unquote, sports science in collegiate for five, six years. Um, And then I was fortunate enough where I'd made some contacts at USC, and uh, they had an open position for their sports science coordinator, and essentially what happened was uh, Pete Carroll hired the head strength coach from USC, uh, Ivan Lewis, and Ivan took several of his staff members with him up to the Seahawks, one of which was the sports science coordinator. So that position was now open, and I happened to know the previous sports science coordinator and got really lucky, I guess. And happen to be in the role now. I've been in the role for about nine months now. Um, essentially within that role, uh, I, was, I provide sports science support to whichever teams will have me on a daily basis. That's actually our women's volleyball program and our football program. Um, anyone familiar with collegiate athletics knows that football is a, a huge driver. So about 75% of my time is spent with football and about 25% of my time is spent with women's volleyball. Also, I work a lot with our athletic training. And our, our strength, conditioning, nutrition, basically trying to bring all the parties to the table, having everyone speak the, a common language and making sure we're on the same page. So if there's anything I could take from my journey so far is like definitely have a plan for where you want to go, but be ready for, for opportunities to show up and adapt to those. Uh, I, I would never have told you I would have been in the position I am in now four years ago. So that's my background and who I am.
0: Yeah. And and this is a quote I shared previously on my podcast. So this is the original founder of this quote, but I don't know if it was our our first or second phone call, but uh, Kyle said, the only difference between you and me is a few people saying nice things about me. If if you remember saying that quote. Um, So if you could just touch on really quick, kind of how each job progressed from UCLA to USC to UCLA to Louisville, back to USC, right? That's the order. Kind of how that went down, in regards to who was kind of telling you to apply where, and kind of how that all came to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> completely honestly, I only applied to those first two internships. Those are the only ones where I saw a. Uh, sorry about that. I actually saw a posting and I applied for it. You know, send the cover letter, send the resume, uh, do the interview, and show up. And that was those first two. Those first two internships. I didn't even know there was a GA at UCLA. It was the first time it was created. I got a phone call while I was actually at SC and they called me and I'm taking a phone call in the USC weight room about getting a job at UCLA. So
0: Uh-oh.
1: They, I don't know what I did at, at UCLA to make them think I was qualified, but <laughs> essentially right. they just wanted someone to handle their data. And I mean, we've talked about this on the phone before, Matt, like people don't like working with data, at least especially strength coaches. So I saw that as my niche. Okay, I actually really like this stuff. I wanna be able to do this and help people utilize this information. So that's how that happened. Uh, And then that fellowship at Louisville, I talked to very similar to how we met. I actually hit up Paul Jones, who's the director of performance analytics at the University of Louisville. And I hit him up about three times. And after like the third talk, he was like, hey, what are you doing after your GA? And I was like, all right, I don't know looking for some sort of way to get paid. And he's like, well, we have this fellowship that actually pays a little more than you're getting paid right now. Uh, and it's Louisville, so it's probably gonna like, you could probably buy a house, because it's Kentucky, man, like rent is so cheap. <laughs> so compared to LA at least. Uh, so moved out to, to Louisville and, and he basically poached me. He told me to apply. Um, and then same thing with the sports science. I got a call in February, Saying, hey, I think you'd be good for this. I'm going to help you up with my boss. Okay, boss calls me on a Saturday. All right, hey, I need you to officially apply for this so that you can actually be up for this job. So, like, they're all telling me to apply. And that's just because throughout my journey that we've just talked about, like, I met certain people along that way. Now, I'll tell you straight up, not every single person I met along that way would vouch for me. And that's, that's just the fact. Like, not everyone you work, not everyone you interact with or work with is going to say positive things about you if their reputation is on the line for that. And that's completely okay. Like, I'd rather be someone who's somewhat polarizing than have everyone say something somewhat nice, but like, eh, about you, you know? That, that's just my two cents about that.
0: Yeah, and, and along those lines, um, I want to tell that people you network with, not everyone you're going to click with. And there's some people that I'll hang up the phone with. And I'm like, oh man, that didn't really go that well. You know, I'm probably not going to hit them up again. And, you know, I wouldn't assume that I'm going to have, you know, multi-hour phone calls with everyone I, I interact with. And, and that's just part of it. And um, talking about how people have to vouch for you, right? And when you're asking for stuff or if that stuff kind of comes up, that's them putting their name, their reputation, their neck on the line for you. And it's very important to establish rapport with that person before you start asking for stuff. And it's it's definitely difficult to to be patient and trust that process. But, you know, for example, my thesis advisor, I'd worked with her for a whole semester. She knew the work I did. Um, I was meeting with her at the beginning of my second year, so this past August. And I felt like she, we had gotten to know each other pretty well and everything. She knew that I'd obviously um, walked the walk when it came time to, to do my work. And I just asked her, you know, if um, if there's anyone that she thought would be appropriate to reach out to in regards to just being a professional sports science with myself graduating, um, this upcoming may aka tomorrow. Um, and, and she was like, Oh yeah, you know, there's this guy I'm pretty good friends with. He's a director of sports science at this hospital about an hour away. And, and that really hit me because imagine if I walk into her office first day, you know, I'm kind of just given to her cause my boss had left TCU. I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm graduating soon. Like, you know anyone, you know, and, and just how, you know, uh, Paul waited till the third phone call to bring that up, you know, imagine if you come out of the gates a little bit too hot and it's like the end of the first phone call and it's like, hey, can I come to Louisville, you know, as opposed to just like letting it happen. And, and I think that there's, it's this fine line that I've been trying to walk with my myriad of phone calls these past few weeks is like, we both know why I'm here like it's the quote unquote network, right. That has job implications, but I'm still here to hear your stories, just connect. Like I think this stuff is super interesting as well. Um, so being, having some emotional intelligence, knowing how to kind of guide that conversation and knowing when to choose to bring on that, bring up that stuff. And to be honest, you know, I've ended some phone calls one literally before this, I thought it went pretty well, you know, uh, Um, just a nice kind of back and forth. And I was like, man, this is that awkward part of the conversation where, you know, before I let you go, I, I, I'm going to bring up that I am looking for jobs and I understand that I'm asking you to put your name out or your name, your neck out there. Um, but if there's anyone you feel is appropriate, I contact or a job that you hear about, please let me know. Of course, if there's anything you feel uncomfortable doing, I'm not asking you to do that. And, and the last two people I did that to, they said, um, no, like I definitely understand and and I respect that. And, you know, I've enjoyed this phone call and how you've handled yourself and I would totally feel comfortable um, suggesting your name. So I'm not saying every phone call goes like that, but, you know, just to have some self-awareness and emotional intelligence about when to pick those battles, but understand that you have to be authentic and genuine um, in respecting them as a person. You know, they're, they're not just, you're not just the USC sports science coordinator, you're Kyle, you, you know, and just remembering that networking is dealing with humans and that's the end of my rant.
1: Oh, absolutely. But that's a, that's a great point, man. Is that like, you see somebody like, for example, like when I first got into this field and I got into sports science in particular, someone asked me like, all right, Kyle, what's your dream job? What would be what you wanted? And I actually said USC sports science coordinator. I still remember yeah. saying that wow, was my dream job. And then I got into this position and somebody asked me, okay, Kyle, like, you're in your quote unquote dream job, what would be the next step? What would be like your dream job? Okay, Uh, director high performance U.S. men's national team, soccer. That would be, to me, like the pinnacle of the profession, right? And ironically, so USC, I, I was doing some, basically just canvassing, trying to learn more about AMS systems, talking to a bunch of different companies. And if you guys aren't familiar with the AMS, that's an athlete management system which is essentially uh, a centralized hub to house all information across different departments. Uh, And that could be anything from GPS metrics to sport information to uh, workouts to rehab, whatever. Centralized hub for all information to go into basically allows people to make uh, better associations between things. So I was canvassing the market for that, and one of the companies – their director of performance science, that's his title, is the US men's national team director of high performance. Like that was somebody that I talked to through this journey. So I'm really talking to this guy. He's been uh, the director of high performance at Bayern Munich, German national team, AS Roma. Like if you're familiar with soccer, there's some huge names. I'm a pretty big Bayern Munich fan myself. So like to talking to this guy is like, that's the best idol, you know? So like I'm trying to hold back a little bit and be like, all right, this guy's trying to technically sell me something. I've got to be smart about what I say here, but it's that sort of stuff too. You just don't know who you're going to talk to, but also like, like, like you said before, like these are just human beings, man. Like we all deal with the same issues pretty much. And most of us can't go to work right now. So most of us are trying to figure out, all right, what do I need to learn? How can I best support my athletes uh, at a distance? Uh, so it definitely leads on to that. and. I admire you basically, like, actually outright asking people, like, hey, if you have a position, please let me know. That's something that I never did, really. Uh, And that's not to detriment you. It's more to say, like, I never felt comfortable actually asking, hey, like, I'm looking for jobs. Do you have anything? And there's a lot of people, like, that I talked to and I specifically was like, all right, I'm interested in a job with this person. Uh, If I keep calling you, will you eventually, like, give in to it? I don't know. And that's that's one of those hard hard lines uh how do i say this obviously us talking like i know that you're if i had a position open at usc we had built a decent enough relationship where i'd be like okay matt i'd love for you to come in and we can talk about this position but i don't have a position open at usc and that's that's one of those hard parts Is like do you look at someone who might potentially have something now Or, okay, this guy's trying to grow a sports science department at a big-time Division I university. This is a great person to know right now. I don't know if that's going to foster anything or not, but what could be the future implications of that? I think that's important to know. That's an important thing to to distinguish because, who knows, I might not be at USC in five, six years. You might be the sports science coordinator at USC in five, six years, you know? It could be a completely reverse situation. That's the, the nature of sport, man.
0: Yeah, and how you uh, kind of phrase that example is no one's going to say, oh, yeah, I feel comfortable, like, giving you a job. It's more like I feel comfortable putting your name out there or yeah. interviewing you for X, Y, Z. So you definitely have to be able to, to walk the walk when it comes time. You know, you, you can't just, you know, put on your, I, I call it a customer service voice on the phone and try to be all professional and stuff. Um, so so if you can walk the walk, if you're professional, but you know how to be personal. Um, I forgot, it might've been you, it might've been someone else, but they were talking about how an inter- an interview is basically just like, do they want to go get a beer with you after the interview? You know, the, the, the hard skills, and we've had this conversation, like hard skills versus soft skills, like there's specific protocols, technology, you'll learn more or less on the job, you know? But having that experience of, I've taught myself technologies before, I just understand this process. You'll learn most of the specifics um, on the job. But if you know how to talk to athletes, how to talk to coaching staff, how to do kind of like the finer things, that's going to go a lot farther. Um, And not to get uh, (laughs) too much farther kind of down this rabbit hole, even though I'm sure we could. And we could do that in a 2.0 episode. 2.0 is where I have a guest on a second time, specifically on a topic, but the first one is more just for the background. Um, But I'm sure, you know, this could go on for two hours, like always. But um, last one, before we get into the the main questions, if you had to give like a bullet point or two definition of sports science, because we've had this conversation of like, what is it? And I I think you have a pretty interesting perspective. So a bullet point or two on what you, how you define sports science, and then we'll we'll get into the question.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. It's actually something that a lot of people in similar positions to me get asked quite a bit, quite a bit, like, all right, what is sports science, how's it different from athletic training, how's it different from strength conditioning, nutrition, psych. Uh, sports science is a science of sport. And it's, it sounds super lame, like you just flip the words, but essentially all I'm doing is trying to understand sport and study sport and those that participate in sport. So. Uh, There's a dissertation by a guy named Patrick Ward, who's a director of research and development at the Seattle Seahawks. He wrote his Ph.D. on the demands of football from a catapult perspective. So if you're not familiar, catapult is a a GPS company that basically pushes out uh, this unit that measures a bunch of biometric information. So he did his Ph.D. on that. And one of the big things he did was define sports science, which is the application of scientific principles to sporting performance. Um, that's my definition of sports science. Um, and that can mean a billion different things. That's a whole other topic, but that's how I see it.
0: Yeah. So sport is the athletes, the games, the training model and everything. And then science, the scientific method of, you know, justify your question, right? Create a hypothesis and then go and test it and then come up with a conclusion and then ask a better question, you know, and yep. Uh, one of my favorite things I heard from you is uh, I think you asked me um, what's my like sport science process and I was like oh you know you figure out what technology you have and then you do like a needs analysis and key performance in- indicators and then you were like or I asked you the same question and you said uh, I got a-, a game figure out their playing style you know what are their practices like and just like sport but sport specific to your context you know the Pac-12 is a very or USC is a very uh, football is a quicker pace offense, you know. And if you went with traditional work rest ratios, um, the example you gave me of you know a, a play play clocks forty seconds of play is four seconds. That's like ten to one. But if you're running a quicker style offense, but you train with a traditional you know football model, you guys are going to be super un, underprepared. So sport specific to your context, your team, and then kind of applying the scientific. Uh, method with technology and whatever it may be. So now what is the coolest story you have thus far in your sports science and just overall performance career?
1: Oh man so the coolest story I have so far was actually this past football season so I'm fortunate enough to travel with our football team. Uh, So back in the day I was a student at SC obviously and anyone familiar with with USC or I mean college football in general knows that USC Notre Dame is a big time football rivalry, right? Like it's billed as the, the, the greatest cross uh, intersectional rivalry in college football, right? So as a student, my senior year, I actually went to South Bend, Indiana. You know, that was like a, a big trip. A lot of students did. So you stay in Chicago and you drive out to, to South Bend and you watch the game, you go back, hang out in Chicago on that Sunday, and then you fly back. Uh, so i did that as a student i remember sitting in like the highest seat possible i was that's a ninety-two thousand person stadium and i'm in the highest seat i can literally see over the edge and like see <laughs> like all right that's the edge of the stadium oh crap it's pretty high up uh, and i just remember watching that game and like a dory jackson had like an 80 yard touchdown and uh notre dame ended up winning that game uh but i just remember that experience and then this past season traveling with the football team, actually being on the sideline at that game, you know, getting to actually see that atmosphere and, and be a part of that tradition and be a part of that rivalry. Like that's a, that's a childhood dream. You know, you've watched that game on TV all the time. Uh, and, and now you're actually actively on the sideline. You're getting texts from your mom being like, Hey, look, look at these pictures of you on TV. I'm like, well, crap, I'm not in the right spot then I should be on TV. Uh, but, like, the, the biggest lesson, like, I learned from that was, like, don't be afraid to dream big. And, like, you really, you really don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, once again, I, I would never have imagined myself, like, that is the top of the top of the stadium to literally on the field. Like, I stood on the ND in the middle, like, before the game. You know, that's how crazy is that? Like, I was just some random student at SC, and now I ended up in that position. So that's the coolest story I've got so far.
0: That is insane. And, and it's so cool just to ask that question, uh, just because the, the variety of answers there are, but just that, like, imagine being on the ND and then you're looking up at the top of the stadium and you're like, I used to be there, you know? Um, that must have been a very very humbling but very motivating um, experience. And that is a super cool story. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the story that you would say is most fundamental that's brought you to right now?
1: So the most fundamental story, I think to my own development was actually within the first two months of my first internship. So I went into strength conditioning as, a, as an unpaid uh, intern working at UCLA and I was working at a restaurant at the same time. So basically my days would be get in at about 445, and I'd leave to go to work at the restaurant at about 6.30. Um, so pretty typical hours for a strength conditioning intern. Um, and then probably finish up at the restaurant at about 11. And then try to get some sleep. And that, that, was, that was my Monday through Friday. And I'm not saying anything that anyone who has an intern in SNC hasn't done before. I'm not trying to sound like I worked really hard. Like that's just the reality of the current situation. So I'd been doing that for about two months. And I'll be honest, I was struggling. It's, it's a tough life when you first start doing that. Like, like, You've got to bring it every single day. The coaches are watching you. The athletes are watching you. And I, we had three performance evaluations. So uh, basically, they had a one-to-five scale to measure your performance in about eight different criteria. And they actually went through this in, like, the indoctrination phase to begin with to say, hey, this is what we're going to judge you on. And one to five, I got a bunch of ones and a couple. And that was like shell shock. I had never seen like that poor of a review. And I just remember looking at this piece of paper being like, holy crap, like what are they going to say? So about five coaches are sitting on the other side of the table. I'm on one side. They all have the same performance eval. I'm looking at it. And one of the coaches, looked at me, he's like, look, You need to pick it up or you need to quit. It's like, we have six other interns here. They're all pulling their weight. It doesn't seem like you're pulling your weight. Like you're not being paid to be here. So we're not going to fire you. But ultimately you either need to pick up your pace and get with the program or you need to find a different profession. And I dedicated a lot of time to it so far. I was like, oh man, like I'm already like not good enough for this. Like crap. All right. so sat and thought about it for a long time and i was like you know what if i give it my 110 percent just see like what happens i if, if they till, still tell me to quit then fine i quit but then it's just not for me so at we were uh, we were just coming out of summertime this is a summer to fall internship so it started in june ended in december uh so september started ucla started back up and I was actually assigned to work with baseball. Um, UCLA baseball at the time was a pretty good team. Now they're probably one of the best teams in the country. So it's, it's pretty cool to work with a team of that caliber. Uh, and I remember working with, with the strength coach and the way that they had it set up was they would split up the pitchers and the position players. The, the pitchers would start out in what we'd call the GIF, which is basically just like this big uh, batting cage. Um, and they would do speed work in there for about 45 minutes with uh, another intern. Uh, and then the they would flip. So there was a weight room on another side of the baseball stadium. And they had about eight racks in it. So the head strength coach for baseball took four racks. And I took four racks. And before the session, he said, those are the freshmen. You're in charge of them. If they have any questions, if they need to know anything, you're in charge of them. If they don't make it or they don't pull their weight with the rest of the guys, that's on you. So it's 6 a.m. Like I ran the warm-up for everyone. We all run over. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna do it. And what was cool is like no one's around. It's like six fifteen in the morning. It in LA, like no one's awake. Everyone's driving on the freeway. Like no one's no one's actually gonna pay attention to this. So I just start screaming at people. I'm just I'm like, all right, I'm going to own this session. Like, you're going to know who I am by the end of this session. So I'm just making sure everyone's in the right spot. We're going, we're going, we're going. And the director of strength conditioning actually had a meeting at baseball that day. So he comes around and he's walking into the office, which you can actually see the weight room from. And he just, he told me this story later because I was too busy coaching. He saw me and he's like, who the hell is that? Who is that? And he saw me and he actually like talked to the head strength coach later for baseball. he's like, Hey, what's up with Kyle? Like, I didn't know he could do that. And that was, that was the moment right there. They actually told me in my second eval, like my numbers went up a little bit. It wasn't like, I didn't get fives or anything, but from ones and twos to twos and threes, I uh, actually got a four on like coaching assertiveness or something like that. But that was the moment where I realized like, okay, I can do this. Like I can be a strength coach if I need to. be. I can, ultimately do this job Uh, and that was that was the most formative experience i had because i learned like if someone gives you a chance and they put you in this position and you either have to if you're either going to do well or you're going to fold like what kind of person are you going to be in that in that role like i'm not the type of person that's like hollering and yelling at people that's just not who i am but for that current role for what i needed to be at that moment I was going to be someone that yelled at you. So I learned make the most of the chances you're given and then be the right person for the role that you're in. It might not seem authentic to you at that time, but that's okay. Your job is to play a role. You're not the head strength coach of the team. You're supporting that coach. You need to do what that coach is telling you to do. So that was the, the biggest thing that led me to this point, because every other situation I've been in, I've been put in situations where I was like, holy crap, like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I've never worked with GPS before. I've never worked with Catapult before. Like, how am I going to support two teams? This, one of these people on this team is going to end up being an MLS player. One of those people on this team is going to play in the WNBA. Like, how am I going to be able to support these people? Like, who am I to even help? Really doesn't matter who you are. Be the right person in that role. So that's the, the biggest thing that's led me to where I am right now.
0: Yeah, and, and when it comes time to walk the walk, whether you feel qualified or, or confident or whatever word we, we want to say, there's a lot to be said that people just like figure it out, you know? And and one lesson I got out of that story is you never know who's who's watching. Oh, yeah. Whether it's, whether it's uh, explicitly stated or not um, that they're going to be there. So that's why you literally have to walk the walk and bring it all the time, you know? And, and imagine if, if one day you got off uh, your, your restaurant shift super late and you woke up super tired and you're kind of just like, Oh, I got 50% today. And that was the day of your eval, or that was the day that they had the meeting at the baseball facility, you know? So I, I think there's a lot to be said to that story of like, of taking criticism walking the walk. And I like how you said, you know, whatever role you're in, you're in that role. So you might as well crush it, you know, and you never know who's going to be there. So I, and, and that has, and I think that that has to do with, um, with your superiors, but also the ones you're coaching under, you know, if, if they can see you bringing it every day and they can see you kind of, um, doing what, what needs to be done, that's going to go a long way with the athletes as well. Um, as well as, um your superiors like i said so that that, that's a really cool story i can only imagine you walking out of the facility that day where they were like you just don't have a guy you know
1: yeah i mean oh it was one of those like come to jesus moments where you're just like man i've invested so much time in this like this is what i want to be my profession i don't i don't have a backup plan there is no plan b like we'll see what happens and the more and more i thought about that story like the more and more I have applied that story everywhere I've been, like I've always been in a situation where I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether I was going to succeed in something or not, and what I did was basically just I don't know what is the role demand, and then do those things like i the biggest thing I actually learned from uh, director of performance at the Memphis Grizzlies, I was actually just chatting with him uh, and he said we're all, we're also like focused on soft skills. We're also focused on like leadership development and like how to talk to athletes and what cues are you using and all this certain stuff. And he's like, don't, don't worry about that stuff. Like what job are you doing? Okay. Do that job. Just what do you need to know to be good at that job? And then do that job. Like we, we, we focus so much on like, oh, you have to coach them this way. You have to use this Oreo technique where you say something positive, and then you say something negative, then you say something positive. Like, no, it's, it's not that cookie cutter. Sometimes someone needs to kick up the ass. Sometimes you need to like put your arm around a dude and be like, hey, is everything okay? Like there are times for those different things. But if your coach is saying, hey, I need you to be like, I need you to be this guy today, be that guy. There's a reason. There's a reason he's asking you to be that guy.
0: And believing that as well, you know, if, if you don't feel qualified, it's like, I'm here for a reason. And, and to bring this back to the, the performance evaluation, it's one thing to, to, you know, sit there and take them saying, you know, you should quit. You got all these ones and stuff, but it's another thing to say, okay, why am I getting these ones? What are you guys looking for? You know, and being able to take that extra step, um, I think is another thing to, to take out of that story as well.
1: Yeah. And I, The last thing I'll say on that is if you're in a position where you have interns underneath you, or if you have anyone that's working for you, if you're a boss, like, don't be afraid to give harsh criticism. Do not be afraid to criticize people and obviously be constructive with it. Don't be an asshole, but don't sugar. Don't uh, UCLA. When I was a, a GA and I was actually on the other side of that table, we would say no cupcakes right? You don't give out cupcakes. We're not trying to make you feel good about yourself in that moment. If you're crap, you're crap. If you're great, you're great. Like, what's, We're going to tell you how it is because lying to somebody and telling them that they're good at something when they're not, like you're not going to end up with a job in this profession. You will not. Like people can see through the crap. So giving somebody real criticism or, or real direction is so valuable. And I I can't thank those coaches that the coach that did that in particular is probably my biggest mentor. The one that said that to this day is like one of my biggest mentors in this field. So I really respected that they did that.
0: Sweet, sweet, cool story.
1: And, uh,
0: and last one, what is the story you're most proud of thus far?
1: I think so. I was a performance analytics fellow at Louisville. Basically all that means is I was a sports science guy for a couple teams, but I also helped people in the weight room. So one of the things that we were tasked with was building out a, a 42 week, my bad, not a 42, a 52 week program, uh, for a team, right? I got assigned to men's soccer cause I was working with men's soccer at the time. So my job was to give my overall philosophy, uh, how I would do things from a strength standpoint, a conditioning standpoint, and a sports science standpoint for that team, how I would support that team. So went out and actually built it. And I I really like fleshed out my philosophy. So I I did like the Simon Sinek, like why, how, what, like why are we even doing this? How are we going to accomplish this? And then what am I actually doing? So that really helped me develop as a coach and as a sports scientist. So gave that presentation uh, to our basically the louisville sports performance staff and i remember my boss at the time paul basically saying look if you give that presentation to any sport coach in the country you'll get a job at the division one level like if you give that presentation to anyone like you you will be employed because you have an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing you know the limitations of what you can and cannot do and you've obviously proven like what's important and what's not for that particular sport. And that was big for me because he was, he called, he's a military guy, right? He's not the type of person that just like say nice things to people like him and I had gotten into it quite a few times before that. So like, I was really happy that he actually like gave me that feedback because it, it meant that he meant it. Uh, an addendum on that is. The strength coach for men's soccer at the time was actually the director. And he was asked to present at the CSCCA conference uh, on men's soccer. And he asked me, he's like, hey, Kyle, like, you're working with that team every single day, running Catapult in meetings, all this stuff. Like, do you want to present with me at the CSCCA? So I'm a fellow, like, I, I'm a paid intern, essentially. And I'm presenting at a national conference on men's soccer, basically talking about, hey, like, this is what we do from an analytics standpoint with our soccer team. This is why we do what we do and this is how we help them win. So that was the story I'm really proud of because that's that was basically the culmination of like, I, I can do this. Like, I can be a sports scientist at the Division One level. Like, I can support a team. Like, that's when I knew I was onto something. Um, and the, the biggest thing I, I'll take from that is It is related, I promise. Uh, Just look outside your field for inspiration within it. So what really molded my philosophy was actually like soccer coaches. So like reading about Pep Guardiola, reading about uh, Brendan Rodgers, reading about these different coaches and how they actually see the game. Because as a strength coach or a sports scientist, supporting that head coach really doesn't matter what I think. Like most college soccer teams on the men's side, Rarely lift weights in season. Rarely, like I can attest to that. And Louisville won an, an ACC championship that year without really lifting weights. That's when I realized just because I'm in the weight room 10 to 12 hours a day doesn't mean the weight room is the most important thing for those kids. Obviously, playing the sport is pretty important for soccer, and that's framed everything in my career. Like, you get better at the sport by playing the sport. So us as sports staff really need to be cognizant of all right we need to prepare them physically but if that guy doesn't know how to receive a pass and actually see where he's supposed to pass the ball I don't care how much he can squat or how high he jumps so that was a that was huge for me so that's probably the story I'm I'm most proud of
0: how long do you think you spent if you had to put like a an hour amount of hours on it on that presentation or the whole program sorry Oh man! Are you talking about the context. one I presented to
1: those uh, to, are you talking about the ones i I gave to the Louisville people or to the CSCCA?
0: We'll do both separately.
1: Uh, the Louisville sports performance staff, I probably spent at least eighty hours on it. It's a lot of time. It's so probably spent about six hours a day for about two weeks.
0: Dang. Uh,
1: and that, it was important to me, you know, because that becomes, like, when I ended up applying for the job at USC, right, I had my philosophy now. Obviously, it was for a different sport, but I basically took that format, and then I put it over here, took out a couple slides, and I gave that to every single person in my interview at USC, like, my, how, my why, my how, my what, how does that relate to this, this, and this, And I don't know if that got me the job, but it definitely didn't hurt. Like my boss at USC still has it in his office. So like, that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, yeah, you put in the time. I spent 80 hours on it, but that means I spent 20 hours when we did the CSCCA. And then I spent about five hours when I did the USC one, changed some branding. And then basically the other 15 preparing for USC was just actually presenting it to different people put in the time, set up a format. Okay. Now I've got something to work with.
0: Yeah. And just getting that big payoff of that positive feedback and just like getting the opportunity to speak at the CSCCA and knowing like I did this, you know, and all those late nights when you're like, gosh, what am I doing? Like, this is so, this is so extra, you know, whatever. But I I can only imagine what that payoff felt like.
1: It was, I mean, it was a a great experience and and I've been very fortunate. I'm not going to act like I did all this work and I'm in this position. Like we we started this conversation by saying I've only applied for really two jobs in my whole career. Okay. So obviously there's been quite a bit of luck involved in this process for me. So I'll be the first person to tell you once again, the only difference between me and you is a couple people in these different places saying nice things about me. And I, I genuinely mean that Like I've put in work and I, I think I'm damn good at what I do, but ultimately like you might, you might be damn good at what you do. I don't necessarily know because I haven't seen you work on a daily basis, but you just need people that are going to be in your corner and go to bat for you.
0: And with people saying nice things about you, it's because you've walked the walk. It's because you had that rapport with the person, you know, not just, not just in the first email, you know, you send to someone hey, you have a job for me? Hey, can you give me, you know, all these seven people's emails in your network and, and, and things like that? Um, and then the, the last thing about that story about seeking information elsewhere, the only requirement of a soccer athlete will just go with soccer is to play that sport, you know, and, and are, you, are you, so, so the, the soccer problem is how do we get more wins? Are you putting your own solutions in the weight room in the catapult data your own solutions to their problem or are you being a tool for them to use Um, and that's been really helpful just thinking about how to think about kind of sport science am i promoting my own objectives just because this is quote unquote my my niche this is what i do or am i a tool to help them solve their problem
1: yeah and that's about us understanding the game right this goes back to what we talked about before watch the sport If you watch Louisville men's soccer play, they have a very distinctive style. They possess the ball. If you line up their team versus every other team in the country, they look like that. They're all like 5'8", 5'9", right? Everyone else in the country is these big dudes, right? That's just a difference in philosophy. Like Louisville men's soccer is all about technical and tactical aspects of the game. So if I see that, I have to think functional minimum for physical. Obviously, psychological is important, too, but we're not going to talk about that. Ultimately, like, the physical side isn't going to be what wins them a the game. What could help another team, let's say the team we lost to that your Michigan State, right? They were big dudes. Like, they, every single one of those guys on the field are at least 6'1". And they were probably 20 pounds heavier than every guy on our team. And they played a very direct style of soccer. All right, you play like that okay, you better be able to accelerate. You better be able to be fast. You better be able to get ahead on a ball. Like, I wouldn't, if I was at Michigan State, I wouldn't treat my job the same as I would at Louisville because the demands of the game from a coaching perspective and a game model is completely different. So you you have to adapt your style to the coach you're with because I might be a, a simple back squat deadlift clean guy but from work with soccer and they never lift what am i going to teach him how to clean right i might as well just let that guy go outside and juggle the ball a little bit more maybe that'll probably help us win it's awesome Um, but just to
0: finish up that story before we get on another two-hour convo is being willing and able to kind of take your ego out and be like i'm not gonna make or break this this um this team And and we've had this conversation before. It's like, how much are you actually contributing? You know, and being able to step back and be like, it's a very technical team. It's a very technical sport and that's what they need. And how do I help optimize that as opposed to just promoting your own um, agenda and objectives and your specific modalities as opposed to just helping them solve their problems as a tool, kind of like I said. Um, But second to last question, I guess, What's one of three things that the listener can start doing tomorrow to become better?
1: Okay, number one is develop baseline level of data literacy. Right, that's the most important thing. I think most people in in the sports sciences, strength and conditioning, anyone that works with athletes at a high school, collegiate, or professional level needs to know how to work with an Excel spreadsheet, and not like, hey, I know how to enter in that information, but like understanding how to work with data, like know the difference between a classifier, a parameter, or an instance, okay? If a classifier is like my name, that's a classifier. A parameter would be total distance or heart rate exertion. And an instance would be every single time there's a different one of those things, a different data point being entered into the system. Like that's incredibly important. You'd be surprised by how many people like don't understand basic tabular structure of data. And that, that's incredibly important moving forward. Um, a great resource for learning Excel, specifically if you work in sport, is Excel Tricks for Sport. Uh, it's run by a guy named John Life. Uh, Used to work for the New Zealand Institute of Sport. A really smart guy. Uh, that's number one, is develop baseline data literacy. It'll go a long way. Uh, and then learn the fundamentals of your craft. So if you're an s coach, Learn the foundations of biomechanics, uh, anatomy, physiology, cueing, athlete management. Yeah. If you're a sports scientist, learn about data management. Learn about the scientific method. What is that? And then also all those things that the strength coach knows. You need to know about biomechanics. You need to know about anatomy and physiology. Like You need to understand, Like we focus so much on leadership skills. Like Once again, like hey, I'm going to harp on this. We focus so much on soft skills. It's incredibly important for us to to know, okay, when I look at a force time curve of a jump, why is there a time where I weigh less than gravity when I'm pushing back? Like that sort of stuff. Because we talk about like learning how to decelerate the body, and when we talk about getting better at certain things. Are we actually getting better at those things? We can actually measure that stuff now. Uh, and then lastly, I think if you really want to differentiate yourself, you have to look for a, a, an asymmetry to exploit. By asymmetry, I basically mean like find out what people hate doing and then do that. Be really, really, really good at that. So, perfect example is like Bill Belichick, right? So, probably the greatest football coach of all time. I hate the New England Patriots, but he's the GOAT of coaches. So, everyone hated when he worked with the New York Giants, right? Uh, everyone hated breaking down film. Actually, I think he was with the Colts at this point. Everyone hated breaking down film. He was a, a volunteer coach. He wasn't a player at a high level. But he became the best person probably in the league at the time at breaking down film. And it was a painstaking process back then. It was not easy like it is now. And it's not necessarily easy now, but way less complicated. So he got himself a job initially in coaching as someone who wasn't a player. By getting really good at film he could do something that was incredibly important to that staff so then he got on staffs and end up becoming that guy he knew more about the game than anyone because he was watching all that film so three things that i think you could get better at tomorrow is get better with data learn the fundamentals of your craft and then find an asymmetry that you can exploit
0: yeah. So, so being able to fill that role, like you said earlier, and provide that extra value, you know, if you can fill that gap, that asymmetry that's there, you're becoming indispensable because you can do something that no one else can do nor wants to do. Yeah. Um, and just becoming data literate, being familiar with other aspects of performance, you can speak that language and that's going to go a super long way with whoever it may be. If you can speak the language of soccer if you can speak the language of the strength coach and then they know that you literally just get it like as simple as that phrase is if they can if they know that you get it they're going to be more comfortable talking to you about this stuff they're going to be more comfortable asking questions and things like that so I think that that's going to go a, a super long way um so that was awesome and I know that you're addicted to your social media you're blowing it up every day but where can where can the listeners get more of you
1: yeah I'm definitely definitely like probably the, the least social media literate person you'll, you'll ever have on here. But the best way to probably reach me is via LinkedIn. So uh, Kyle Boyd, um, that just type that in via LinkedIn. You'll probably find me. If you just type that in on Google, it'll probably be like the first thing up anyway. Uh, and then you can also email me. Uh, that's at uh, kvoight, my last name, at usc.edu. So feel free to, to hit me up via that. I'm, I'm more than willing, especially right now with all this time we've got, like just to basically answer any questions I can and hopefully learn some stuff from talking to different people. So I really appreciate you you having me on, Matt. And and it was it was good to flesh out some of these things and learned a lot just talking to you. So it's been it's been great.
0: Fantastic. And and all of that stuff will be in the show notes in the description and everything to to reach out and um And I'm impressed we we kept this to, to under two hours. And I look forward to chatting next.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Matt.